This is Reagan with The Short Game. Uh, this week we are re-releasing our classic episode on rains. So this episode originally went out September of 2016. So this is episode 98 of The Short Game. Uh, we've also covered the sequel to Reigns, Reigns Her Majesty, which is episode 139. So, of course, you can go dig through our episode archive on our website for either of those. Uh, but we hope you enjoy this. The reason we're re-releasing this particular episode right now is that very soon uh, a new Reigns game is coming out. Uh, we never covered the Reigns Game of Thrones game uh, that came between Reigns Her Majesty and this upcoming game. But the next game that's coming out is called Reigns Beyond. Uh, it's going to be Apple Arcade exclusive, at least on uh, mobile. Um, so we're looking forward to covering it because it's the first Reigns in space. And it looks really fun. It looks like they've added some neat new ideas to the Reigns formula, which we've really enjoyed in the past. So um, here is the episode. And uh, we hope to be back with you next week with more IF Comp coverage. Uh, sorry that got bumped this week due to circumstances, but we'll be back with more of that very soon. And thank you for joining us. Oh, also, I know this is coming out the day before Election Day, but if you're hearing this and for some reason you haven't gone and voted, please go vote. It's very important this year. Very, very, very important. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, the kind of thing you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend or a train ride. Um, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by all three of my awesome co-hosts, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? Pretty great. Nate Heininger. How you been, Nate? Doing well. Uh, swiping left, swiping right, and in a way I never thought that I would say. Yep. And, uh, and Laura. Nash, how you doing, Laura? I'm doing good, and I just now realized the folly of this. Cause I don't think any of us used Tinder, so <laughs> never once past no past my time too too late. I didn't. So now that we've all been very smug, we can talk about uh, rains. Yeah, rains. Yeah. Um, so we're talking this week about rains, which uh, if you are an iOS gamer, you've probably already heard of because it sort of took the App Store by storm. Yeah, and it's uh, available on other platforms as well, but I think it's a iPhone-native experience, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Android as well, which is nice if you happen to be one of those uh, types. Those guys too, yes. We cater to all. But it's a game where the kind of elevator pitch for it is this is a kingdom management Tinder where you're swiping left and right to create... Um, a branching narrative of of running a country and dying thousands of times, and I think it's a it's a pretty unique game that I've never really played anything like it. How about you guys? Yeah, it's like someone took the idea of Infinity Blade and was like, "Hmm, combat's lame. How about a deck of cards <laughs> and four bars that if you get too high or too low, you die." The entire game is basically, again, we said swiping left and right to make decisions, but little characters come up and say things to you, and you agree or disagree. And then um, your management bars, which are just, um, you know, church, people, army, and money, go up and down. And that sounds like it should be an easy game, but uh, I think the developers have 
actually got a pretty deep game going. Yeah, what I think is really, really interesting here. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good explanation of the game. It's it's a little easier to get a sense of if you watch it in motion, but really it is just a series of A, B, you know, binary decisions that make up a, a story. But what that what this really is, is like, this is the most simple-to-play, accessible, mobile-native take on interactive fiction that I've ever seen. Like, this is a uh, um, choose-your-own-adventure with tons and tons more choices and way, way, way less reading. Uh, But that makes it feel like such an incredible fit on on a smartphone. Yeah, plus a a random generator as well, which allows uh, each you know, run, um, to be a pretty unique experience. Um, you start to get a big picture of what's going on and you, it, it kind of handles it like, um, uh, you know, like a deck building game where as you unlock more stuff, these cards are added to your, your, your pile of Tinder profiles mm-hmm. and they shuffle it up every game and it starts over from the beginning. Uh, you assuming the reign now of this kingdom. And, um, I, I really appreciate that it, you recognize scenarios, but sometimes they'll be back to back with other scenarios you might not have seen before, which makes your decision different than the one that you made before. There's never like a, oh, I know that this is the best decision for this particular card because it might be altered by a decision you made just before. Yeah, Nate, you're you're kind of getting onto what makes this game a good piece of interactive fiction, or at least a good piece of IF, in my opinion, and it's the same structure and the same reason I liked Fallen London because uh, this really slots into um, what what the fail better games that came up with Fallen London call the quality based narrative where you know your 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 story that you're experiencing is made up of all these little parts but how do you put those parts together and how do you string them together into little short stories and and you do it by having, uh, the the whole world of the story be basically a state machine uh, that keeps track of a few facts about what's just happened. Like, the next card that you draw in this game um, is there's a huge dose of randomness there, um, and every choice has an effect on one of the, the meters, you know, the, the state of, of your kingdom. Um, and there's also hidden states and then there's you know uh, preserving you know states that continue from from one king to another but as you kind of manage all these different qualities um you're trying to keep your king alive as long as possible and the longer you do that uh, the longer short story gets strung together from these reusable parts these cards that you're swiping left and right um and i think that structure is a really good one uh, if you're trying to build a narrative that's going to be kind of emergent from smaller story parts, you know, which is perfect for an iPhone game. So I think design-wise, this is a piece of IF that fits really well into the mobile space because you've got a bite-sized short story made out of teeny tiny, uh, almost... uh, almost the tiniest possible choices um, and still you're able to string them together into like a little short session. And there's continuity, but it's not like 
um, heavy continuity. It's not as if you didn't play this game for five weeks, you'd pick it up and have no idea what happened, but it's a succession of kings. I mean, there's a reason reigns is plural. It's because yeah. you are going to play, die, and then time has passed, and now it's the new year, and now you are the new king, and it moves on. So you're literally just dying over and over again, slowly eking the calendar forward, and you know if your previous king was, you know, tanked the treasury building a farm and started a crusade, those decisions persist. There are plenty of things that last just for your lifetime, but sometimes you do leave a little legacy that makes it harder or easier. And there are characters um, that recur, and you can kind of do special things in this game to give yourself a boost or possibly curse you. I'm still not sure. I have finally, after many, many deaths, I think I know what the end game of the game will be. Yeah. But I know I still have a ton of playtime. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, like, just the overarching story of it? Um, so the, it, when I first started playing the game, I, I thought that it was really, like, completely disconnected. I, I at first thought every king that you, you know, they, they're, you show a timeline so you can see, oh, well, this king comes first, this king comes second, this king comes third, and you can see how long each of them lasted as monarch. But um, I, it really seemed at first like There's they were some, totally some neat little disconnected Easter eggs or, or something in that, uh, yeah. in that timeline too, by the way. Oh, yeah. But like once you get not too long into the game, you realize that it does sort of each king builds on the last in some very obvious ways, like I built a granary and that might actually persist to king number two, that kind of thing. But um, in kind of more story-based ways too. So I don't think it's too big of a spoiler to talk about the first appearance of the devil, would it be? That happens at year 666. I wouldn't say how the devil emerges, but yes, let's discuss the yeah. devil because the devil is important to this game. Very, All very important. By the way, give you sixty-six game center points, <laughs> which is That's just great. the kind of level of detail that I love. Yeah. So the th this part of the story is what really has me continuing to play it. Like I, I thought, oh, cool, okay, I'll I'll play a king, and then I'll play another king, and eventually all these kings are going to run together, and and it's. But no, it feels like this game is building to something. There's an end state here. I haven't reached it yet, but having read some reviews and knowing a little bit about it, this game has, you can finish and beat and even kind of win this game. And it seems like you're yeah, I'm not cursed. near it, but I have had uh, some prophecies that have told me the date of the end of the game, oh, which I yes. think is interesting because that starts to it starts to accelerate the the feel of of moving through the story. You know, things are are coming to a head. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool because the story involves you as the player. I mean, it's essentially that you've been cursed by the devil to relive or you know be the king forever, and so each iteration of the king has a different name, and you can earn different titles, which is hilarious. But it's like the same soul. So mm -hmm. you are living through your decisions and you're um, being uh, often brutally murdered or forced into exile or think, just think about any stereotypical King death that you've seen <laughs> in uh, movies and TV shows and whatnot. And, and many you could never have imagined. Yeah, exactly. And you, you face those deaths um, and it's conceivably you every time. One thing I'll, I'll say about the deaths, I thought that was a really neat, uh, that most of the way, times that you die, it's due to, uh, like, mismanaging the different meters. Mm -hmm. And 
I thought it was really neat that whether the strength or of one of the different parts of your kingdom goes all the way down or all the way up, either way kills you. Um, and like the first time I died um, because I got too rich and I I got uh, I threw a feast and choked to death. That actually uh, was the I most common laughed. way that I died <laughs> in the game. I ended up s- choking to death at a party like five times. So yeah. I yes. I figured out I figured out how how not to do that, which was I thought really interesting. Like basically, there's a lot of little traps in the narrative. Like if you. Uh, go on a crusade or open up the Silk Road or something like that. There's certain things that will uh, affect your meter every second and really push the game in terms yeah. of your timing. And the the one that really got me, like Silk Road, I think, um, depending on the choices you make when, when setting up that condition, which can be really good because it gives you unlimited money, the choices you make either wind up with uh, filling up 10% of your gold or your, your money every every second or 20%. And if you do 20%, you're doomed. Like, you you're going to choke. You're going to choke. So, um, <laughs> choke on your gold, yeah, King. Which uh, I, I really appreciated. Um, there's, there's several different iterations of, or different um, events that can cause just about every single meter to have a, like, a rapid by the second increase or decrease. And oftentimes like the crusade makes your money go up and your people down. Um, so now you're managing both of them. And with, through the majority of the game, you have the time to kind of consider your actions. Am I saying yes? Am I saying no? Am I agreeing to this? Whatever. But when that's going, you kind of have to read and you're, you have to swipe left or swipe right on a timeline that is incredibly important. And I, I really like their, uh, the sense of urgency they add to it. Um, it was something that I was unex that I did not expect. And also I died at least once cause I play this game at work a lot. And the way my mm-hmm. job goes is that like, I'm not doing anything until I'm doing something. And so I'll like, I'll be playing the game and then I have to do something. And so I, I would set the game down and pick it back up when I'm done. And if I forgot that I had like a crusade going or whatever, I'd look down like, ah, oh, I choked to death. Because uh, I, you know. <laughs> On all this cash. Too much yeah. Oh, the most frustrating one is I finally, um, there's some long running storylines. And one that I had gone through multiple stages of like special events to get through. And uh, I was talking to someone and they were revealing extremely important information. But it was happening Every time I swiped, it was a year, and I had a second counter, and halfway through the, like, 10-card series of in-game prophetic important information, the counter hit, and I choked to death. I had been wandering outside in the dark for a long time, so and I couldn't do anything about it. But it went from almost completely dead to full and interrupted her, and I was so (laughs) angry. Yeah. It took years and kings and kings and kings to get back to that state. Something that I think is a really great design that we didn't really exactly talk about was the way that all of the cards, you know, they they give you an A-B choice and they show you what conditions, what, what state so it, it, the card is going to affect. So you can tell if I swipe left... This is going to affect. Let's say that somebody comes to you and says, "Well, the the town, the 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 river is uh, is festering, and we need to flood it or build a dam or one of these sorts of options." And I can tell that if I swipe towards yes, then it's going to affect my people's happiness, 
and my gold. And I can tell if I swipe to the right, it's going to also affect maybe the people's happiness and the military or something like that. I can see which things it's going to affect, but you can't tell exactly how. You can tell it's going to affect them, and you can get a general sense of whether it's going to be a large effect or a small effect based on the size of the icons. But that's it. And Sometimes it's just a question mark, which, damn you. Yeah, and so, and yeah, sometimes it's more mysterious than that. Um, also, sometimes, there, there are many cards that have predictable outcomes. So, I've seen this this situation before. I know that if I say yes, it will hurt my money. If I say no, it will hurt my people. Understood. Um, but some cards aren't that way. Some are, or at least maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like some of them are more random in their effects. Um, I think you're right. It's hard mm-hmm. to say. Maybe it's just that I can't remember in my head all of the effects of all of these possible cards. And it but... depends who's at court. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's different yeah. characters. And depending on what characters are at court in your game, you may have different effects or different card possibilities. And it's constantly adding new cards. So you have to learn what all of those do before you can start making effective decisions. It's it, it's piling this stuff onto you and you'd think it would become really complicated. But actually, it just it feels it's always yes or it's always yeah. left or right. Like everything is boiled down to one decision. Um, now, sometimes it's a tree, but still, in that moment, you have one decision, and it, it simplifies everything. Uh, another thing I ran into, too, with the the um, like randomness of the cards, too, is is two things. Sometimes a military card, I can never tell if it's going to hurt or uh, help my military. They're like, let's go to war. And I'm like, sweet. My military will love this. And I do it, and then the military goes down. And it's like, oh, I guess they didn't do very well in the war. Or sometimes it'll go up. Um, also, there'll be like random generators behind decisions that you make so one thing i'm thinking about is sometimes you're asked to go on like a hunt um, Mm. like a boar or wolves or whatever and you'll say sure and sometimes the next card will be what a great hunt and then sometimes the next card will be like you died on that hunt (laughs) or (laughs) and sometimes it's like you are slowly bleeding to death yeah you were injured um you know the game is uh very goofy yeah all of the character design, the way they talk. Um, yeah, we didn't really talk about the look or or sound of the game either. The character design is so interesting on this game because it's minimalistic, but it's not pixel-based. Mm-hmm. And I love how geometric it is, but the characters will have personalities. For some odd reason, the Executioner has a bright pink background. That's just kind of the world of the game. It's colorful, but it's not childish. And it's bright and neon, and it's very, um, very stylized in a way I've never really seen before. I can't think of something using this style outside of a design project. Yeah, you're right. It's very unique, um, and I think it, it feels very like modern. But I would say it's kind of a midpoint between something like a like a low poly 3D model and something made out of like construction paper. Like it, everything is very like looks like folded and cut and geometrically arranged um, rather than sort of illustrated. I mean, looking at the design, someone could look at this and say, this is a designer from 2016. Yeah. That's what this looks like. It looks like today's design world. Yeah. It's very modern. More than anything else. Also there, um, something I only very recently discovered is that some of them, their eyes will move um, as you're like swiping their cards around and they they, they can be, very subtly animated and it's it's not like uh it's not like a visual like it, it it's not super fancy we're not looking at like the hearthstone of of cards here like these cards are very simple but 
it's appealing. You'll see these characters again and again, but you'll see them coming to you with different sorts of questions, and you get a sense of who the characters are from their look and from the sorts of questions they bring you, and... It ultimately, visually, I think, you know, it's it's very minimal. You can tell this is like a project of a small developer, but it's really successful. Yeah, the sound, um, the sound, I think, is, is worth talking about. <laughs> Two parts. Uh, first off. It's disaster piece one more time. Yes. Um, I'm still loving, loving anything. I don't think he's fully responsible for the sound here because there's a second credit. Uh, yeah, it's music by Mego and disaster piece. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a collaboration there or, or something like that, maybe set up by Devolver. And if you're not familiar, disaster piece is, you know, so hot right now and is responsible for the music behind tons of interesting games. Also, the music of the film It Follows, which is so damn good. He did the, the soundtrack to Hyper Light Drifter. He did... What else has he done that I'm not thinking of? Um, he did the soundtrack to Fez. Ah. Yep. Oh, I was listening to the Fez soundtrack today, actually, which is very different than a lot of this other stuff. Fez is kind of a joyful soundtrack, so I don't... I did not know that. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite things sound-wise in this game is the little um, things, like the little voice recordings of the individual characters. <laughs> what they say, what you know what it reminds me of? Uh, the Wawa so track. What's that? I said it's a Wawa track, like Charlie Brown. Yeah, it's like that. Um, every time the character comes up, they'll like say something, but you can't understand it. It's like Charlie Brown. But it, what it reminds me of is if you guys have played um, any number of RTSs, uh, uh, <laughs> all the Warcraft games, um, particularly. Yeah, it reminded the me Age, of Civilization. Yeah, Age or, of Star, or um, uh, Star Fox as well does this, and to great yeah. effect. It's very cute. It's and, and like one of them, the priest guy almost sounds like he's doing something close to like the Wololo. From uh, you know, Age of Empires that the internet loves. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of that, and which is just funny every single time. I actually played this game with headphones on a lot, um, and the disaster piece um, background is great, very minimal, but it's great. And then the silly sound effects on top of it, and like medieval sounds all over, like gates slamming and like riots in the background, and when you get your head cut off, like a chunk you know of like a <laughs> of i don't know an axe drop or a guillotine or something and some um, choice gregorian chants thrown in there too mm-hmm. it's it's another great example of a game you know that we love where you can tell they paid attention to everything um i like i don't think there's anything really wrong with this game you know i think they accomplished everything that they're looking for yeah i think i mean given that it's been it seems a a massive success. I kind of hope for more content. Like this is a game that I think would be really easy to add content to and easy to go back and re-explore with additional content added. So I'm kind of hoping for that. And I don't usually have that feeling uh, about like mobile games or interactive fiction um, or really games in general, because I'm such a like flip from game to game kind of guy. And they've hinted a lot that they're going to do more content. I mean, first of all, the um, steam version has a, uh, Twitch plays Reigns Easter egg hidden in it. So that was one of their first, like, that's extra such a brilliant idea. Did. And they're going to keep adding more and more. And I mean, honestly, like, I'm surprised they even have a, a Steam version at all. Like, this seems like such a mobile native game. 
Speaking of Easter eggs, um, I have a I have a tip for you guys about the pungent. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, you know we didn't even mention that. Just to kind of explain what that is, there's a, there's sort of like mini games hidden within this game that you happen as sort of events. The two that I can think of are that occasionally you'll get trapped in a dungeon, the pungent, and also occasionally you get involved in uh, in duels, sword fights, and both of those kind of change you're still always choosing yes or no left or right but you're no longer managing your kingdom you're suddenly trying to navigate a sword fight or navigate a dungeon um that's like a really cool mechanic to me like layering on these extra sort of event oriented things but still keeping that core yes or no left or right mechanic yeah don't go in the dungeon if you have a crusade or any counter scoping oh, just no. don't go in the dungeon or just a good but- kingdom setup right now because uh, I know it's possible, but thus far the pungent has only equaled death for my kings. I escaped the the pungent one time, uh, but I'd like to hear Shane's tip. My tip is about uh, what you can get in the pungent, um, and that so first off, at a certain point, um, one of the one of the characters is going to give you a string of numbers, and that string mm-hmm. of numbers are dates, right? And yeah. if you find if you look at those dates on your timeline, um, that uh, e- those dates have the alchemical symbols on them. Yes, and it's in a certain order, and the order of those alchemical symbols is the the series of doors you should go through in the pungin oh. to unlock what? a unique item. Yes. Whoa. Okay. Mind blown, because I've escaped the pungent one time, but I barely just dragged myself back to my throne in order to get immediately killed. Like, nothing good happened apart from maybe extending the life of my monarch for an extra couple of years. Mm-hmm. So now I know what to do. Now I, you've given me this and I want to pick up the game, because now I know what to do next. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of little... Um... Hard to reach corners of the narrative in this game like that. So there's a that that's a thing where uh, you'll def, you're definitely rewarded if you if you kind of scope that out. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, that's really yeah. Cool. I was I, I've taken a look along the timeline. There's a lot of interesting things there, and I've been curious if looking ahead tells you what you might get. I mean, a couple times you've seen like a a there's a farmhouse and then a guy getting his head cut off and you get an opportunity to build a farmhouse. So there's a couple little hints like that along your timeline, but it's not necessarily one for one. They're usually a little coded. Yeah. And there's a lot of neat things where like the, the narrative starts off really simple, but then you do something and it unlocks a lot more complexity. Like uh, the jester is one example. The jester starts off being like super annoying and I basically just told him to go away every time I saw him. But then at a certain point, I was just, like, messing around, and I, I chose a few different options. And then I unlocked, like, dozens of new uh, kinds of conversations to have with that character. So, uh, or at least it seemed that way. Now And now he has something new going on all the time that's always kind of putting a, a different twist on the situation. So I think that's that's where the strength of the game lies. If I can say where I think some of the negatives of the game are, it's that it gets to feel a little samey and the stakes don't feel super high when you can just die and start over. Um, but overall, what do you, what do you guys think about this game? I think that I can see myself picking this up and playing a few rounds 
you know, for a long time. I think it's a pretty replayable game. It's funny. And mm-hmm. I think that um, it rewards playing different ways. Uh, at first, I was trying to stay alive the longest. And then I was trying to stay alive when I had something to further the story. And then I started playing to get all the deaths and or to meet new people. Um, there's a lot of advantages to playing things that will actually hurt you if it doesn't kill you right away just to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. And I like games I can poke at. A lot of interactive fiction will let you a little outside of the boundaries, but not far. And I appreciated that this one, since it is so great, you know, it's A, B. It's very, very set. So even if A is always the right choice, picking B a couple times just to see what happens is has very little consequence. So the thing that actually makes the game as a whole less powerful makes it really fun to mess with. Undertale, yes. you couldn't, you know, it's not like Undertale where there's huge repercussions for what you do. This one is experiment, play. It's a sandbox in many ways. Yeah, again, a game that has this much randomness, if it were to, uh, if it punished you for that experimentation and if it, like, really locked you out of stuff, that would be a big bummer. But, but I mean, with this level of randomness, just kind of screwing around becomes kind of fun. To bring it back to Fallen London, I play this game in ways I would never for my character. Like, there's things in that game that I'm pretty sure if I did, it would irrevocably change my character forever, and I refuse to do it. Here, there's another king down the line. I can yeah. see more of the content that way. So if you're a content hoarder, <laughs> this is a really good game for you. And I like that it actually quantifies the content because the you know you've got a deck of cards. Like I, you've seen, uh, you know, thirty percent of the cards. You've seen sixty percent of the cards. Occasionally, you'll inter- encounter something and you'll see a bunch of new cards fly into the deck and think, "Ooh, more." Yeah, it. I mean, it very clearly tells you how far you are into unlocking each individual aspect of the game, which is pretty cool. Overall, I think it's a pretty cool game. I have been enjoying... I like that there's kind of like two different things you can kind of lean on. Um, You can either lean on resource management if you enjoy that sort of thing. Um, This game is ultimately, as you're really trying to get further and last longer, um, it is kind of just a straight-up resource management game. I will trade... X amount of military for X amount of people. Like I started doing like little calculations, like what's my net gain, net loss from the plus and minuses, you know, um, from this sort of thing. What can I risk now? Because I know like, it seems like money is the thing that's moved up and down the most. So I'll trade, um, you know, money for people. Cause that's less likely, you know, you can really just buy into the resource management or you can buy into the storytelling and just be like, well, this might kill me, but, Let's see what happens, um, as Laura was kind of getting into. And, and between those two things, uh, I think the game has a ton of depth. And it's funny, and it sounds great, um, and it's kind of fun to look at. Um, I, I can see either them adding in, you know, this game could just keep going, or they just add in new characters, or they could say, like, Reigns 2, and it's the same game, but now it's a new cast of characters, and it's a, you know, you're leading a different kingdom or whatever. Same curses happen to you. Um, yeah, honestly, I would love for like a sequel uh, to this to be set, you know, with it with a different setting, different characters, new content. I mm-hmm. would buy that in a heartbeat. Yeah, same game. It's fine. It's like they have a, a fantastic, simple, but deep 
uh, way of telling a story. And and we already hit them, but I love those the the change ups and mechanics, the speed up and slow down, the the pungent, the the dueling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for for the entire game being you know A and B, um, it feels far deeper than that. Yeah, I mean. You can wind up dating a bird. I mean, what other game can you do that? I'm trying uh, so hard to date that bird. I have no idea how to Actually, date that bird. That's not happened didn't to me we do yet. A whole, didn't we do a whole episode about a game where you date birds? We, we actually did. So. Yes, we did. <laughs> I, I guess the, the thing that really strikes and me about this is enough. that this is a new game mechanic. In a new, you know, this is, like, how often do you see this happen how, how often do you see this happen at all this is what, what what's so great about interactive fiction as a genre is that there's really there's that really all it really means is text game but there's so much experimentation under that umbrella and this is a new concept like i've never seen a game that worked like this before <laughs> and it's based on i mean it it's based off of twitter <laughs> or t- tinder yeah, it's which is so which is funny. genius. Like it, Tinder it's is so undoubtedly funny. a good interface for something that I had no interest in doing. Now I get to experience that. I feel like this is way better than Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your yeah. area. I'd honestly, if people are that good at writing and uh, people can have deep mechanics, I mean, I'm okay with people ripping off the mechanic because that's not the game, but it's a huge part of what makes the game easy. So if there was a huge you know, upswing in interactive fiction games with great writers that was just A, B swiping, I'd do it. Yeah. Well, I think we are seeing a big upswing in interactive fiction games in the, uh, in the mobile realm. I mean, uh, I don't know if we've brought it up yet, but 80 Days, um, a huge iPhone game that won a ton of awards, um, is another version of an interactive fiction game. Uh, now this game uh, is a big hit. Uh, at least for the from the app store. So um, if anything, you know, success breeds, um, you know, followers. And I think ideally uh, it's a great thing. I hope to see more. You think they'll port it to the uh, Apple Watch? <laughs> oh, you could. Uh, I don't know if you could fit all. I don't know if you could fit all the uh, monitors. Like, I think they have a real yeah, hard little... time. This game, su- surprisingly enough, just chews battery. And I think it's because it's got such a complex sort of state machine under the hood. Also, it's running on Unity, so even though it's two-dimensional, they've got, like, you know, there's they know more. There's a lot going on there. So this game just, like, devours battery much more than you would expect. So I think it would Between probably Between this be... and Pokemon Go, my battery is oh, at man. a constant, like, 15%. Yeah. It, it, I, have, I have the giant phone, which has a little better battery, but, like, I play this for an hour, and I'm down 15 20%. It's a hard life out there, man. you got to yeah. get yourself yeah. one of those. Uh, I bought... Like three years ago, for like twenty bucks, a lithium battery that I carry around. Mm. Uh, it charges my phone eight times. I can play uh, Pokemon Go or whatever all day. It's fantastic. Yeah, we have one of those too. It's fantastic, but it's also like you feel like a real weirdo when you're using it because if you're like actually hey man, out and about using it, you've got like your life. a giant battery in your pocket or your bag with a wire going up to your phone yeah. and mm-hmm. i feel like a robot it's great i got a cable running on my back pocket out to my <laughs> you know to my front pocket People are you gotta like, run it under your, your real pros run the <laughs> wire under their clothes so it's just like a wire coming it's... out your sleeve reagan maybe that's why you don't like doing it, if you're doing it that way. <laughs> yeah I like to do it because I like to have as many wires surrounding my body as possible. I want to have the headphone cord. I want to have the the, the sync cable. And say goodbye I to those. When I was in uh, middle school, the like the really cool oh, guy. I, I was a 
into skateboarding and all that. So like the really cool thing you could do is to like weave your headphones into the into the hood of mm. your hoodie so that they were like constantly in there. And then I'm pretty sure one of the skate companies like got in on that and they would sell hoodies with like embedded headphones into the hood where the cable would come out the bottom. A guarantee it's... of having crappy hoodie with crappy headphones. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. How do you but... wash it? I guess you don't. Well, I guess that was if another thing. Yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're too yeah. interested in skateboarding to wash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. So. Well, I think uh, that about covers our feelings on the game. <laughs> yeah, um... I guess so. Um. What are we guys? What are we? Uh, what are we talking about for next week? We are talking about horse racing and solitaire in the game Pocket Card Jockey. I thought I would hate this game, and I really don't. And I'm really glad that, Laura, you you kind of encouraged me to check it out because, like, I hate solitaire games. I just hate solitaire. And Pocket Card Jockey has turned out to be, like, a really addictive thing that I've played a lot of recently. So um, kind of an odd double play for us to do two mobile games uh, in a row, although this is a a 3DS mobile game, but, uh, you know, two portable games in a row. But, uh, you know, hey, whatever. And uh, Pocket Card Jockey. It's like $7 on the 3DS. So if you have one of those, check it out. You could buy this and Reigns for $10. Great yep. deal. I love solitaire games. Or I like solitaire a lot, I guess I should say. I don't feel like I've played any other solitaire uh, games other than solitaire. So I'm excited for this. Well, I couldn't get you guys to all play Regency Solitaire. And so <laughs> Sorry. I, but I, well, when we I brought up someday. horse racing, everyone was on board, so... Yes, indeed. It has a lot of a uh, lot of both. It's a mix of both. So if you're interested in so- solitaire or horse racing, it's a good game to check out. And so that'll be our next a... episode. Sorry, go ahead. Is there a place I can go and bet real money on pocket card jockey races? <laughs> um, I think you'll have to start your own. I don't know how the game works. You could give me your money. That's how betting works. Just wondering. I'll bet you. Uh, I'll bet you. You can't win the derby. I think. Um... We could have a session of that for the for the show. Just uh, just a little little side bet. A what? I bet that I'll I'll make a, like a side bet that your horses are better than Reagan's horses. <laughs> I will take that bet. <laughs> I will take that I, bet. I, I guarantee you that will be true. But I am gonna do my best <laughs> to be the best. He'll probably have funnier names for his horses than mine. Though. Oh yeah, that's a super great part of the game. So you know. Listeners, let us know what your horse names are. And uh, also, of course, you can leave us a review or contact us on our website. Uh, Go to www.theshortgame.net where you can find all of our contact options and a contact form and all of that. Uh, You can also go on iTunes and leave us a review there. We love those reviews. Please leave them for us. They really help out uh, in in some way or other that we uh, assume is real. Um, Of course, you can also find me on the internet at ReaganK on Twitter. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Over on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL and on Tinder, uh, running my kingdom. (laughs) And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.